Welcome everyone to the Lead More Podcast. I'm your host, John T. Meyer. The Lead More Podcast is the show where we sit down with leaders of today to help inspire and create more leaders for tomorrow. So grateful for you for listening along this journey as we approach 100 episodes of the Lead More Podcast, which is crazy. And on this episode, it's the first time I think I've ever had someone on my podcast who I've been on their podcast, but this is Ashton Hoff. Ashton is a creator, a designer, and an entrepreneur in Bismarck, North Dakota. She's such a delight and just a breath of fresh air, and I really enjoyed having her on the show. In this episode, we talk about building community. I've said this before to folks in my talks and coffee meetings. I think building community is the most important skill of 2022, certainly a skill that leaders need to do, whether you're building community internally, just with your team and your followers, or externally with your community, with your clients, with your colleagues, whatever it might be. Leaders need to build community. I think it's so important because we, one, we just crave it naturally as humans, but two, we really crave it right now because we've had such a lack of it for the last couple of years. So we've found it online. We've found it however we can get it. But Ashton created a really cool, unique, special community because she had moved back to Bismarck and couldn't find what she was looking for. So in this episode, we talk about how she got that idea, how she built the community, and then now, ultimately, what happens with that community if you as a leader are thinking about stepping away or moving on? So Ashton unpacks all of that and more. You're going to love getting to know her. So with that, let's listen to Ashton Hoff. Friends, welcome to another episode of the Lead More podcast. This is going to be a, I don't know what the term is for, like a pod repod, where like I've been on your podcast and now you're coming (laughs) on my podcast, Uh, but I'm here with my friend Ashton from Bismarck, North Dakota. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And like you said, it's fun to reconnect on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, on each other's podcast. So what uh, what's up in North Dakota these days? Oh, man. Well, spring's just happening. Thankfully, uh, the blizzard came through a couple weeks ago and we're all just like so ready for spring and summer. I think we're going to go straight into summer. And so everyone kind of has that <laughs> bug right now. Um, so the energy is high. Things are happening. I think events and people are gathering more and it's exciting. Well, of course, we're recording this in early May and talking about snow, which is a blizzard, <laughs> which is a, <laughs> perfect for North Dakota and South Dakota. Yes. Um, well, tell the listeners a little bit about what you're working on right now, and then we're going to kind of work backwards to how you got here. So tell the folks what's Ashton doing right now. Sure. So right now, I am the co-founder and strategy director of a branding studio in downtown Bismarck. We have um, a team of four of us. And we help businesses stand out with strategic brand solutions. And so it's just a everyday grind, working with really creative folks and doing the work that we love. And you started this pretty recently, right? Yeah, we. so I freelanced for a few years, um, but then I teamed up with my now co-founder, Ben, uh, late 2020. So probably right after we oh, did okay. our last podcast together. Um, so a year, year and a half or so. Awesome. And what have you learned about starting your own business? I mean, you've been involved in startups and and kind of built projects, but now what have you learned about building a company? Yeah, this is my first company with a team. And so a lot of what I'm learning is all of the team aspects. So um, making sure everyone feels confident, making sure they're equipped, making sure that they have just the right amount of work so they can stay creative, but also feel productive. I mean, Mm -hmm. all of the above. Every day is a new new learning experience. (laughs) Yeah, you can literally feel yourself growing, probably daily, certainly weekly. You just can feel the, yeah. the muscles growing. 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm really lucky to have my co-founder because we can, you know, share how we're feeling with each other and, you know, kind of relate on that way. So you're a designer by trade. How are you kind of finding the, like working in the business, like doing the work versus like working, you know, on the business and thinking about the team and growth? And Yeah. So that's, that's, I mean, the second we hired, so Jackson is our um, junior designer and we hired him um, really early this year. And so that's when a lot of my designer tasks kind of moved to him. And so it's already happening where I definitely am working on the business more than I am in the business, um, which is totally new, but I actually find myself really enjoying it. I, it's really challenging, but I think internally, that's also what keeps me motivated is because I'm solving new problems. Um, I really am trying to see my team blossom. So trying to really invest in each and every single one of our team members. Um, and that is really where the satisfaction comes, where I get to see them working together. I get to see them succeed. And so it's super satisfying, but definitely challenging. <laughs> yeah. It's the hardest part. I think in that small or those early days, it's definitely that, that balance is tough to strike. Um, very cool. Well, congratulations on starting that. But the first place we actually met was another really cool project that you started. So I want you to tell folks about your community that you built over the last, gosh, seven years? How long? It was, it started in 2015. So right okay. around five years, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I created a community called MakeWell. Um, and it was a community for makers and doers in the Midwest. And really the goal is just how can we bring people together so they can do life together. Um, because I found that our classic Midwesterners and creatives in this space, you know, we like to unintentionally put ourselves on an island, um, whether, you know, we realize it or not. And we feel such a responsibility and we have this hard work ethic where we're like, we can just push through it and we can figure it out. Um, but the reality is, is that you can move so much faster when you're with someone, whether, I mean, you don't have to work with people, but if you're connecting, if you're talking, if you're gathering, you can learn so much. And we really do have world-class makers here in North Dakota and beyond in the Midwest. And so it was like, how do we kind of capitalize on what we're already doing and go way farther? Yeah, that's so cool. What was the, um, like, what was the original impetus? Was it the frustration of the lack of that? Or that just like you felt like it could be better than what you had? Or like, where was the kernel of the idea for that community? Yeah, that's a great question. I So my background is I went, I grew up in Bismarck, but then I went to the Twin Cities for college. Um, and while I was there, I was very much so a part of the AGA community. Um, mm -hmm. Amazing design, design city, design community. And so when I moved home, which was kind of a surprising turn of events for my personal trajectory, <laughs> um, I, you know, I was... I knew that I would be losing a little bit of that just because I'm from here and there's certain things that you, you know, you just can't expect. Um, but I kept looking for, you know, where are the meetups or where's, how can I connect with other people? I think at the time I was trying to design a desk and I was like, I need to meet a carpenter. I can design the desk, <laughs> but I don't know how to, you know, just things like that. And so I knew maybe, you know, a handful of other creatives and they were awesome. And I was just like, there has to be more of us. There has to be like, where are they gathering? And so it was really, from my perspective, perspective, a lack thereof, or I just, you know, cause I, I like to think that I was responsible enough to at least seek it out for a while. Um, sure. but I just wasn't, wasn't finding it specifically for, for makers and creatives. And so I, I, uh, at the time I was working at CoSchedule and everything's database, right? They make such logical decisions. And so I, I made a survey, believe it or not. And I surveyed my closest creatives and I was like, 
how do you feel? Do you have these same questions? Do you have these same problems? Like, and it was overwhelmingly yes. Um, and thankfully, a couple of the people that took that survey were like, I want to help be a part of this. And so that's what really kind of made me feel like I could confidently move forward in pursuing solving that problem because I had some some people behind me. Yeah, that's so cool. I love it. And that's the creative <laughs> attitude, right? Like if you don't have it, like create it. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, which is so great. But uh, one of the reasons I wanted you to come on today was um, I've been saying this line of like building community is the most important skill of 2022. And why, I guess, probably one, it's kind of provocative. People like that. Uh, but two, <laughs> uh, I think it's true. Like we are coming off mm-hmm. of this two-year period where we had this such lack of community. And we found it in other ways. A lot of us sought it online because we had to mm-hmm. because of a global pandemic. Um, but, you know, also I'm working now in this new world of Web3, which is so focused on community and, and decentralization and people connect around the globe. And, and so I want to kind of get your perspective as someone who's built a community and built it you know, before the pandemic, yeah. what, you know, what, uh, what was the hardest part? Like when you started and you decide, so you get the survey back and you validate that like people want this, <laughs> but, but now what? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. There were a lot of, a lot of hard parts. Um, I think <laughs> right away trying to put myself back into those shoes. Um, there was definitely an internal struggle, right? You have to be really vulnerable to say, I'm going to make this thing and I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to invite other people to be a part of it, right? There's a vulnerability <laughs> there and you have to have enough confidence in yourself, even though you feel like I've never done this before. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to put it out there. So that, yeah. I mean, that was definitely a huge, huge obstacle right away. And then, I mean, initially it was, how do we explain what this is? Because we were trying to do something that has never really been done before in this community. It's been done, you know, other places. Um, but right away was like, how do we get butts in the chairs if they have no idea what they're signing up for? And so thankfully, um, we had a small event right away where there was, I think it was 50 seats. And just because we had a, such a connection in the volunteer team to people in the community, we were able to sell out. So and that was make really your friends exciting. come. Yeah. 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 And it, it was really exciting when it did sell out. That was something that was unexpected. But um, yeah, just kind of continually trying to describe and explain. And even as we grew, you know, as we were looking for funding, it's like, how do, again, how do we show the magic if they haven't been at an event? You know, how do we share that? And so that was definitely something that was always a challenge too. Yeah, because it existed in, in really online and offline, right? You've had like mm-hmm. you had meetups, you had events, you did a conference, you had content. Um, yeah. Was there like what were the like what are the signals that you know when something's working? Is it hey we sold out fifty people, or is it a one person story? As far as like hey because of this community I decided to do X. Like I think that's one of the hardest parts is how you know if it's working. <laughs> yeah, and that's really hard because I mean relationships are hard to track. I mean how do you know if yeah. someone met? Yeah, so we we did our best to track it. I I wouldn't say I feel you know overly confident in that, but we would you know, we would have a survey at the end of every event or experience. And we'd say, you know, how many new people did you meet? How many um, close relationships, you know, or no, it was deep conversations, I believe is what mm. we said. It was how many deep conversations did you have? And try to use that as a metric, um, because you really can't, you know, there's this web where, you know, you know, seven people and those seven people more, more, no, more, wow, no more. And it's just, 
we could never fully map that out. And that would get more clear as the community grew. You know, we would hear more stories of so-and-so met so-and-so and now they did this. And so we would get those here and there, but we had to intentionally ask our community to share those stories with us. And so you just had to be really proactive about, you know, looking for those success stories. Um, so it is, it's not a super very black and white. Yes, no, this is working, but that was how we tried to at least have a gauge on it. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a fellow kind of community builder, startup, startup community of Sioux Falls, you just always default to like how many people were there, right? You're just like counting. Oh yeah. Head, like headcount. And, but that's just not exactly it. It's a, it's an imperfect metric, right? Because yeah. some people are there because they have to be there. Some people are there because they really want to be there, but you could do mm-hmm. a five person event that changes the life of three people. And that's like a pretty huge success. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and that was kind of why we had different formats because we found that a 20 person retreat was actually way more impactful than our hundred plus people person conference. And so we tried to have different formats because depending on your personality, you might connect with someone differently and you know, those different situations. Yeah, for sure. What like, what was the thing as you reflect on that experience that surprised you the most was a story or a moment or an event? Hmm. I, a part of me wants to say I'm surprised it worked. <laughs> <laughs> just because just because I had so much, you know, when you put yourself out there like that from the beginning, you have no idea. It was supposed to be just a one one time event, honestly. But then the oh, really? response, yeah, the response was so large that we felt a responsibility to continue it. And thankfully, the team that put together that event was willing to jump on it with me. Um, so so that I mean, that alone it was a surprise. I think another thing that I learned along the way was. I don't know if this is just the Midwest or everywhere, but a lot of people like to count themselves out before they count themselves in. And so mm. when we would invite people to events on like social media and, um, you know, posters and all sorts of things, announcements at events, um, you know, people kind of, I mean, they hear you, but they kind of are like, they try to disqualify themselves when they hear like why this wouldn't be for me versus why it would be. And so we found a lot of success in like directly inviting people, whether it was a Facebook message or an Instagram DM or in person, because then they're like, oh, they think that this is an event for me. And then they would come. And so we had a way more success with that. And so I don't know if that's just a human nature thing or, or Midwest people being humble, um, but that was something that we, we saw throughout the board, no matter what type of event we did. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and both your two types sort of like, labels of makers and creatives those are pretty general terms right i mean like yeah. they, they, they mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people true um and as a fellow like design agency owner who didn't know how to design like there was my own kind of issue with that but like i always think of design as like capital d design right you can design <laughs> a, a physical space you can design an email flow the way that you talk to your customers you can design a kickoff call like each piece of the puzzle is designed and that takes creativity yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I can totally see that being a thing. What about in, this, in the topic of leadership, like this podcast, um, you know, and wanting to have more leaders and people to step up to build things that they wish existed, you know, community building is an interesting type of, of leadership model because it, it, it isn't meant to be pyramid structure in the sense that like yeah. there's a CEO and everybody like rank and order file. It's really more of like a, I think they, they use the term like a galaxy, right? Where there's like a, spub, <laughs> a hub and spoke. So like, how did you have yeah. to lead, how'd you have to lead this community where you wanted everyone to be included, but yet at the same time, the challenge of community building is it kind of, you don't want it to become like the high school group project, right? Where like 
but most people just don't do anything and one person does all the work. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely was the leader. Um, you know, I think I was kind of the initial spark, you know, that mm-hmm. set the, set the fire. Um, but I have to give a lot of credit, like so much credit to my volunteer team. Um, there were, I would say probably six or seven of them consistently. And so they definitely would take on those responsibilities um, and contribute their time and their talents and make it, make it far better than I could have ever made it. Um, and they were able to really make sure that we're reaching new people, right? So it's not some clique or club that people aren't mm-hmm. welcome to, um, but still keeping us on mission and on vision for what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause were you, I know that, I guess like to think about it. So it started as this like one-time event and then this side hustle. Yeah. And then eventually you, you left your job to do it, you know, full time. Was there other yeah. people that were with you or was it always more volunteers and, and other people doing it on the side? So when I left, it was to make well and freelance design work. Um, so it was kind of a transition for both. Um, but the entire time we were all volunteers. So mm-hmm. I, I also was doing it completely pro bono because we were putting every cent back into the community. Um, and I don't know if I recommend that, but that's what, <laughs> that's what we did. Um, and so, yeah, so th- that volunteer team, they kept their jobs or stayed at their jobs um, and continued to help and support. That's kind of where I wanted to head to toward the end here, because how do you then, so you're no longer leading Makewell, but mm-hmm. catch us up. It does still exist in some form factor or if that's changed. Yeah. Roughly about a year ago, I did um, kind of put a call out and I said, you know, I'm, I'm transitioning out and I, you know, kind of put my heart out there and said why, and, you know, shared with the community what was going on. Um, Cause by all means, I didn't want anyone to feel like I was abandoning them or leaving them. Cause that's, that's the opposite of my intention. Um, and I just put a call out. I was like, we'll see if, you know, someone else wants to step up and, you know, be a part of this. Cause at that point we had, you know, thousands of people that we've interacted with. Um, and we did have a couple people raise their hand and say, you know, I'm interested in doing that. And so then we, went through the interview process, probably similar to a regular job um, with a couple of candidates and then um, selected Dot Frank to lead it. So she's been leading it the past eight or so months. Um, and there, I think she's still figuring out, you know, what it looks like, what this next season of events is, you know, uh, post-pandemic, if if we are post-pandemic and just kind of yeah. learning, learning what that looks like. So unpack that to me because I went back and I found that post where you obviously was like an emotional thing, something that you built and that was so near and dear to your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk through the process of like why you just like, how did you know it was time for someone else to lead that community or how did you know it was time to step away? Yeah, it, it was something that I, I thought about for probably a year, year and a half leading up to oh, wow. actually transitioning. Um, Cause I, I didn't want to take it lightly, right? It was something very serious and close to my heart. And so I really had to dig deep and look at, you know, what does my next five years, 10 years look like? And where do my strengths, time, time and talent align? Um, And really this idea of creating this design team, this brand studio just kept tugging at my heart. And I had no idea what that would look like or if it would turn into anything, um, but I was I was definitely interested in pursuing that just because I felt like it was a better long term fit. Um, I had been experimenting and side hustling with all of these different projects for five years, and so I learned a lot about myself 
um, in that process from Makewell and the community building space to Evertide. It was a product planner that I was selling and um, co-schedule. It was a really quick, fast-paced startup and I've done photography, which is in the service space. So anyway, I just have learned and dabbled in all these things. And so it was kind of like seeing seeing my own own skill sets aligning with where I saw my family in the next five to 10 years, but then also having a really, really (laughs) in tune awareness of my volunteer team, because they had been with me for the same amount of time. And even though it shifted a little bit for the most part, it was the same people. And in that time they had had babies, they got married, they changed jobs. And I, I never wanted to take advantage of that generosity that they had given. And I know that they were too sweet to, <laughs> to you know, step down because they were committed and they believed in it and they loved it just as much as me. And so seeing where like my life and role was transitioning to and seeing where they had been, I just felt like it was time. And I didn't want to dishonor Makewell by continuing it when we didn't have that energy so I wanted to make sure that, you know, they were still in good hands and had someone that could lead them with passion and zeal and everything that I had when I started. Yeah. I feel like you perfectly just described the, the internal struggle of what makes building communities so hard because they are owned sort of by everybody and that's the, or the intent is that everybody has a mm-hmm. piece of it, but led by, by usually a very strong, passionate figure, um, which was yourself. Like it doesn't exist until you start it. Um, but then when you unpack that backwards, like it's not your lifetime contract to have to run this community. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but yet when you step away, you know, one topic we've talked about on leadership on lead more a lot is leadership transition, just like how, and that's something that I've gone through over the last 12 months as well. Um, what would you say, Ashton, to people who are maybe have a community that they think it's, it's time someone else steps up or they want to at least step back, maybe not completely out, but what would your advice be to them? I think my advice would be to trust in the community that you have built. Um, because even though someone like myself may have been the spark, now hopefully it is this wildfire and there will be people that, you know, will continue it on, right? Like it's so much more beyond the leader that started it. And it's it's hard to realize that sometimes because you do feel such a weight and responsibility. Um, but it is totally possible to step away. And if if you've done what you can do, you've done your best, that community will continue regardless of you, which is kind of a weird realization. <laughs> it doesn't mean yeah. you did your job wrong. I think it means that you did your job well. hundred <laughs> percent. And that, I agree. And that's, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of internal feelings too, watching it from I mean, you're still a part of it, but from the outside now, mm-hmm. and and you can't help but be like, oh, that's interesting, or they chose that, <laughs> or I would do it that way, or but also very proud, right? That like it still keeps going. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely fun to see it stay alive. Well, that's really good advice for somebody who's, you know, I, I found that too, and when, when we sold Lemonly, that uh, people forget. So I had some people come up to me and actually say, like, I didn't know you could sell a service company. I didn't know you could sell an agency, <laughs> right? And you. Sure. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, it might be harder than like a physical product, but like mm-hmm. if you build a great team and have other leaders in place and you've been able to delegate and, and create processes, like absolutely. So that's good advice for anyone who might also be in a community right now and thinking about what's next for them. Let's mm-hmm. transition. We'll do a little bit of rapid fire so for folks to get to know you a little better. Sounds um, good. So I always like to ask people, like especially leaders, usually leaders are readers, they say. So what's their book that you recommend <laughs> the most or the book that you give to people? 
Yeah, hands down, it is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. I, oh my gosh, I could live and breathe by that book. So love it. That's that's my answer too. So that's a repeatable (laughs) one. Yeah, I made my whole team read it. I think I've read it three times. Love it. That's amazing. And his newsletter is great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, how do you unplug as a leader? So it sounds like, you know, you had to go through that too in this process of thinking about, you said your life in the future and your family. And so what's your, when you're feeling stressed, what does Ashton do? So going back to Atomic Habits, there's lots of daily small things that I do. So now I have a very intentional morning routine and evening routine because I, no matter what the chaos is, I start and end well. Um, another thing that I do is I usually make it to the gym four days a week. Uh, that's my time to just de-stress more than anything, um, and kind of plug in and get away. And I do it after work before coming home. And I find that it's kind of a nice, um, transition time to get my headspace right. And into the the headspace of being a wife and being a dog mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We've heard that, uh, we had some, uh, remote work expert on the show and she talked about the importance of like wind up and kind of wind down routines. Mm -hmm especially when a lot of us are now working like me here, like at home, right? Where like the kitchen is 15 feet away. (laughs) Right there. Your your bedroom is upstairs. And like, just, yeah, it's like these spaces now are blurred together and having those sort of transition moments. Um, So a question we always asked at Lemon when we hired is what's your superpower? So it makes you brag. Like what's the thing you do best, Ashton? I think my superpower is that I can come up with the idea and then I'm really good at executing it. So it's a little dangerous because if you tell me something really cool, <laughs> it might happen. <laughs> and I Do you like one part better than the other? Do you like the, the coming up with the idea or the doing the idea? I think I like the adrenaline of doing it. Okay. Yeah. And that's good because I think there's so many people that have plenty of ideas, but we all know that execution is probably what matters most. So. Yeah. Um, and who are the leaders that have shaped you? So as you think back on your life thus far and your career, people that have uh, either nudged you or pushed you or that, that have inspired you? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot. So I'm sure I probably won't name all of them here, but um, specifically with Makewell, someone that I looked to from afar was Natalie Frank. Um, she started a similar community on the East Coast and now she's a part of um, HoneyBook. And so it's fun to see how she was doing some something similar. Um, locally, um, I definitely look up to Carly name is Colbo. They are the most genuine, authentic, fun leaders. Um, and then also the Andersons, Evan and Janya, they, they've led in this community for a couple of decades now, and they just continue to give and give back. Um, and they're crazy intelligent and smart. And so I just learned so much from them. Well, one of my favorite parts of asking that question is making sure that the guests will, will make sure that the people hear it. Um, because (laughs) (laughs) often we don't tell those people enough or we don't verbalize or, uh, uh, you know, really put words to the impact that those people have had in our life. So that's really cool. Not true. Um, Well, somebody who got to kind of witness your community and get to go to Bismarck and speak, I can say it was one of the coolest events I've been a part of. Uh, And you could just like, yeah, you're right. It's hard to um, articulate or like kind of describe a feeling until you get to feel Mm -hmm. it and get to be a part of it. (laughs) And, and that really how it was how your community and make well community is and was. Um, so thanks for, for letting me be a part of it and congratulations on like the next phase. I think that's very exciting. So we will, I've always enjoyed following you from afar and we'll keep cheering you on. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's fun to take what I've learned and reflected on and apply it to what I'm doing now. And hopefully that same magic can be a part of the good kids moving forward. 
Yeah. And I don't think we realize sometimes, you know, when we look back, when we're in it, our careers feel very winding and sometimes disjointed and maybe not always related. But then when we look back in retrospect, you can see how the pieces like stack on top of each other and how this new thing for you is probably this combination of the things you've done, you know, before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Ashton. Take care. Thanks, John. All right. And that was Ashton here on the Lead More Podcast. Thank you so much, Ashton, for coming on, for sharing your stories, for being vulnerable, and just uh, for inspiring everyone. I love it. So remember, we drop new episodes of the Lead More Podcast every other Thursday. Go find us at leadmorepodcast.com or just look up on your podcast player, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen, go find us, subscribe. And while you're there, if you could, leave us a review. Click a five-star review, click favorite, thumbs up, whatever the the app has. Uh, That really helps other people find the show. And for that, we're very grateful. All right, take care and be well.